Welcome to the Cap City Offenders Podcast. You've got Chris and Brian. Um, this is episode 69, and today we are going to talk about getting into gunfights. Absolutely. Um, more specifically, simulated gunfights. Um, I've, I've only been shot at once in my life and didn't care for that, and it was really a haphazard, half-assed attempt a long time ago. Still didn't enjoy it very much. So, um, we, we uh, spent uh, one of our recent training nights with the tribe, a small group of us doing force-on-force training, uh, and basically set up some scenarios to run through. Uh, one of one of our one of our good guys took lead for us and came up with some ideas that he had experienced in some different training opportunities. Um, I think probably some stuff that he brought out of Craig Douglas's uh, South Narks classes. Yeah, the ECQC. ECQC, just a little bit of that, uh, or some ideas or 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 principles around that anyway. Uh, and then also some other stuff from an author that he named that is escaping me right now. Uh, Rory Miller. There you go, uh, Rory Miller. Violence. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so we, we did we did some drills uh, and and set up a little little scenarios training night with airsoft. Uh, before we dive into you know kind of what we did, we'd like to dive into how we went about it. Um, guys, there are are myriad and sundry stories of people getting shot in training environments where there aren't supposed to be any guns present or all guns are unloaded, etc. ad nausea. Um, and they are truly tragic events. Um, so so the, the, the conversation around doing airsoft or force on force or, or any kind of simulated uh, firearm stuff that's force on force or person on person where you use actual live actors as good guys and bad guys um, and those in between, um, is, is to not have any firearms present. Uh, and I, and I can't stress that enough. Um, you know, we, we chose a venue where we have a lot of space to work. Um, literally everybody stripped down and took firearms off, uh, and then went through and took off pocket knives as well. Um, we left flashlights in the conversations, hoping that none of us was a big enough badass to kill somebody with their flashlight. Um, but you, you really, truly have to go to great lengths to remove all firearms from the conversation. Uh, I don't care how you go about that, but, but figure that out before you go any further down the road of doing a force-on-force training event. How are you going to confirm that everybody there does not have a lethal weapon on them other than their hands? Um, and then how are you going to secure those weapons during that opportunity uh, and, and go from there? So uh, that was one of the first things we did. Um, Just to, to add into there. One of the other things that's important to do is if anybody leaves the area where your training is taking place, they need to be re-examined and researched for any weapons. And that's probably, well, not, not probably, that is where almost all of the tragedies happen. Uh, you have a group of law enforcement officers together for a training event. They break to go get lunch. Uh, some dude throws a gun back in his waistband, uh, forgets about it, doesn't think anything about it, comes back from getting lunch. He's used to wearing that gun, um, and literally, it's, it's not even there until he reaches for it, and then something really bad happens. Um, or, or somebody leaves the area to go get a piece of equipment that they forgot or they want to bring to the conversation, and perhaps that's a, a live a firearm, but being used as a prop, and, it, and they don't go through proper clearing procedures or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, or somebody wants to get in that last run of the day and everybody thinks guns are cold kind of deal and, and somebody jocked up because they thought they were done, um, and they weren't. So, so almost all of the opportunities for tragedy seem to come 
with somebody leaving that immediate training area and then coming back, um, you know, and, and whether that's with another gun, a gun, they, they, you know, whatever the case may be. So, so the excellent, excellent addition to the conversation. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I don't care if you take everybody's gun and you put it in a lockbox, you know, that's on the, you know, on the range or at the facility with you, or you just have everybody leave their stuff locked up in their vehicle. Hopefully they've all got secure storage in their vehicle uh, or do whatever it is you're going to do in that fashion. Um, so having, having pounced on that right off the bat, the next thing I'll throw out there, um, if you're going to do airsoft, which is what we did, uh, airsoft pellets, you know, 300 foot per second, give or take, still more than enough to put an eyeball out. Um, we, you know, I, I left the range with, with, well, I have some scabs. I mean, I, I left the range bleeding a little bit from some hand shots and stuff like that. And your hands tend to bleed a lot when they get hit. Not a big deal. Um, but you know, do understand that, you know, these, while we kind of view these things as toys and, and there can be some grab assing around when they come out, there really shouldn't be because if somebody pops their mask off to take a breather or to clean the lenses or something like that, and somebody's jacking around with an airsoft gun, you could put somebody's freaking eyeball out. Um, as a general rule of thumb, your IDPA standard targets are made on a certain test cardboard um, at whatever distance an airsoft pellet will penetrate that cardboard. Um, generally, it'll break skin or injure someone's eyeball or something along those lines. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, set up a day to, to jerk around these things and have fun with them, that's fine. But it's but it is definitely not during a force on force scenario because there is the assumption that between iterations, between runs of scenarios, that people might strip PPE off just to take a breather and whatnot. So treat them like real guns as much as is reasonable for the conversation. Um, you know, test your stuff beforehand. If you've got an airsoft gun that is punching through cardboard at 50 feet, let's probably not use that for force-on-force -force training um, against human beings because it's probably going to leave pellets under somebody's skin. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, beyond that, we had, uh, I, I, I happen to personally own a few different paintball masks. Um, I've literally never played paintball in an organized event ever in my life, but when we got into airsoft years ago at Big Darby, uh, ended up with some paintball masks. Paintball masks are really, really good for this because they generally give you complete wraparound protection to include ears, uh, forehead, chin, and even down to the neck area to just a little bit, the front of the neck area a little bit. Um, you know, but whatever PPE you're comfortable with, I know there's guys out there who are just like, oh, throw on your Oakley wraparounds and go on about it. Um, if you're smiling when something happens to shoot you, an airsoft pellet will actually break a tooth. Um, I can introduce you to somebody. Um, it, it's a thing. So, uh, you know, definitely more than just the Oakleys or more than just goggles, um, in, unless you're just, you know, super uber tough guy and you like walking around with a broken off front tooth. Um, and no, Mark, we're not picking on you. That was a whole different conversation. So, um, so, having said all that, uh, the very, very first scenario without... Actually, one more thing to yeah. jump in. If you're going to do this, um, pick a suitable venue um, to include secured access so you don't have someone not part of your group inadvertently walking in on you, seeing people running around with guns and calling the police, because that would be a bad day. Or worse, reacting with their own firearm yeah. or something along those lines. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the other thing I'll throw out there too, um, your, your buddy's basement that he just had done into a man cave and has a really cool bar and everything. Um, airsoft pellets, the same ones that will break your tooth at close range, will also break glass um, at close and range. Drywall. And, and ding the crap out of drywall. So if you think, oh, well, we'll sneak into the office and use the office and do some training in there, the boss is cool with that. Uh, the boss will be cool with it until he sees little dings all over the walls. And has, you know, secretary or whoever asking, why are, what are these little things rolling around on the ground everywhere? And then I'll have to explain that, you know, you're doing quasi-military training 
um, you know, at, at the at the at the plumbing office or whatever. So you know, be 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 cautious about the choice of venue. Uh, make sure it's private to some extent and whatnot. So yeah, cool. Um, the, the very first scenario, and I'm, I'm going to ruin this for pretty much anybody who ever does this ever again, because it's, it's like, it's not a super secret squirrel thing, but if you're the one in your tribe setting up the scenario, um, we had a, we had a conversation about why we did what we did after the fact, but not before the fact, because it would have ruined it. Basically the gist of the conversation is you have a individual in a room with an airsoft gun, who is the guy in charge of that scenario you as the you as the person who is getting trained up basically you're entering that space and with no warning with no conversation with no nothing you are faced with a bad guy who is shooting you um and and is that fair no um the fair is something that comes to each county in ohio once a year um you know fair doesn't exist anywhere else in the whole wide world and the only point of the scenario was that sometimes life's a shit sandwich what did you do when someone handed you the platter of shit sandwich and said, take a bite. Um, you know, we had a couple guys in our tribe who did just curious things and including myself, you know, I stepped around the corner, saw a bad guy with a gun, raised the gun, start shooting. Um, me being so stealthy and fast, uh, I got shot like three freaking times before I could literally take two <laughs> steps backward to cover. Um, but at least I had some awareness of where cover was. Um, a couple guys choose, chose to push out into the open and get in a gunfight. Uh, one of our tribe actually pied the corner really, really wide because he's a nerd and does stuff like that um, and was able to have a significant amount of distance, got in a gunfight, probably got shot once or twice. I don't think I got shot that time. Okay, and then probably shot the bad guy a couple times too, um, but still chose to engage in the fight rather than withdraw if possible. And uh, actually like pulled back to where yeah. I had had cover to get my gun out yeah. before I re-engaged pieing the corner. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who didn't pull a gun. I walked around the corner, uh, the shooting started, I stepped back around that same corner very quickly. I'd already been shot a couple times, but I got out of Dodge. I didn't even bother drawing the gun at that point. Uh, th again, actually might be another interjection to make. Yeah. Uh, when you're running these scenarios, try to work the scenarios so that they don't turn into a, call it a paintball match or a duel. Well, um, or, or a, or or a fun extended. time with airsoft guns. You yeah. know, I mean, you definitely want to have very specific scenarios in this case this one was left wide open for response um, but there was only one role player involved um, I, I think I, i'm going to put a sharper point on what you're saying the role players involved in the scenario can be good guys can be bad guys the person who's learning who is being trained it does not have any idea of who's who often until the scenario begins that's part of the idea um, there's a lot of simulation um, you know, there's a lot of, Hey, there's this dude and his girlfriend doing this thing. And you got me playing the girlfriend. Um, if I look like somebody's girlfriend, they should kill themselves. Um, anyway, the point being, you know, is that conversation around it's, it is a simulation, but it, there's a role, have a, have a solid scenario of a problem that you're trying to solve for the person learning and stick to that scenario. Um, I would also add that I think the scenarios, it, 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 the one that we did where you walked into yeah. getting shot, um, wasn't necessarily a winnable scenario, but by and large, especially if it had been done in an area where you couldn't walk 30 feet from the corner. Right. Right. And you knew it was coming. So, um, the reality check is the scenario in, in most cases should be set up so that if the, if the person being trained, does everything they're supposed to do. They don't necessarily end up in a gunfight or getting shot or losing or this or that or the other. 
if one of your role players has a big enough ego that they want to go off the rails and try and win every time or they want to make everything fun every time or whatever rather than maybe a boring learning scenario, um, then maybe it's less of a learning scenario. So or definitely have – find another role player. Yeah, definitely have dr- – have, have written out scenarios with role players with specifics about what they wanted, what you, what the intent is for them to do. Um, you know, call that commander's intent. What are we trying to achieve? What's the learning objective here? And then have the role players behave with that in mind, and also discuss proper cues and things of that nature. Um, I remember talking to a friend of ours who was training up at Alliance, um, doing some shoot house work that was force on force stuff. In one of the scenarios, you entered a room, there were two dudes on a couch, and there's a gun sitting on the coffee table. If you didn't address the guy closest to the gun and tell him to get on the ground, get his hand, don't touch the gun, blah, 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 then he would grab the gun and start shooting at you. If you did address him, then he wouldn't shoot at you. And that was his cue was are you verbalizing and communicating with the potential bad guy or unknown at that point? Are you verbalizing properly? Make sure that your role players understand what cues they're supposed to be presenting um, and, and go from there. So having said our first thing was you're walking into getting shot, the next couple scenarios that we did um, were significantly different from that. And you did have cues that we went through uh, where you could say, okay, you know, gosh, this is happening. It's either time for me to leave, draw a gun or both, um, or perhaps shoot. And then again, the scenarios that we ran, a number of them, nobody fired a shot. Yeah, we did a bunch of, actually did some, call it vehicle-based stuff or simulated vehicle-based stuff. Um, where we were able to work around um, some cars and some trucks, looking at you know, potential roadside um, change of flat tire type situation. Yeah, or, is is this an ambush or or is this a damsel in distress? Yeah, along with you know what we call managing unknown contacts, um, which is a South Narc term. Um, Google that. Google South. S- yeah, South N A R C. Yeah. Managing unknown contacts. Uh, there is a bunch of open source material from Craig Douglas on the internet um, regarding how to do that. So looking at you know, finding someone somewhat in distress in a, say, a gas station parking lot um, within another role player that enters the scene um, some moments after the initial contact is made. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and, and the, the gist of this was, you know, we switched up the role players, we switched up the reactions, the intent and things of that nature. But, but suffice it to say, um, that, you know, we basically, you were, you were forced into, you know, pulling over and asking somebody if they needed help, somebody with a broken down vehicle, uh, because we were all guys there and we're all pigs. Um, presumably this was an attractive woman who needed some assistance. Um, of course, as soon as you begin to render assistance out the door of the local stop and rob comes her jealous boyfriend. And so now you're in the position of how do you de-escalate? How do you get out of the situation? How do you not become part of the situation? Um, and, and we ran that scenario under a number of different permutations because we had everybody watching so that theoretically even the non-role players and non-involved parties could still learn from it. Um, so at one point, you know, it was just a pissed off boyfriend. At one point, it was a trap and he was the distraction so she could flank you and move on you with a firearm. Um, and a number of different scenarios like that. Um, you know, you, you can simply go online and go and Google, you know, videos of bad guys, videos of robberies, video, and probably come up with a million different scenarios. You can go, oh, well, the bad guy did this, um, and come up with those scenarios. But we pushed through a number of vehicle-based scenarios. Um, and, and, you know, and then after each run, critiqued, uh, why did you do this? You know, why did you close? Why did you, why did you engage with the bad guy? You know, why did you have a conversation with the bad guy? or unknown guy, 
um, a whole lot of it was talking about what do they call it the the monkey man uh, where your the, egos the monkey dance yeah the monkey dance where somebody comes out and you know a male comes out and challenges you and of course you're always right so you must stand your ground and you must be a badass back and blah 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 blah. And a lot of that comes down to, no, you actually don't need to. And even in force-on-force force or airsoft stuff, that's a great opportunity while nobody's actually going to kill you um, to practice de-escalation and to practice simply apologizing, whether you mean it or not. Um, and we went through a number of those you know, de-escalation techniques. Um, we talked about verbalization and you know, doing a lot of the, you know, hey, stop, stay right there, I'm not interested, you know, show me your hands, blah, 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 blah. Um, and working through what's appropriate at what time, too, because some of the people in the group I don't know necessarily had a lot of opportunities in the past to verbalize those things. And when you're on the square range shooting bullets, often we lose focus on the verbalization aspect that precedes the actual fight, Yeah, the use of the gun. Um, so we did it, like Brian said, we did a lot of stuff around the vehicle. Again, you could probably Google um, force-on-force training scenarios. You could probably Google some stuff like that, too, and, and, and steal some stuff directly from other people more knowledgeable than us, even, um, if that's possible. But yeah, one of, the, one of the interesting things, um, and this is partly just the way the vehicles were positioned, uh, is that we ended up applying a good bit of stuff from centrifuge training and fighting from the back of the vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another, you know, another thing to look up: centrifuge, Will Petty, um, Chase Jenkins. Uh, a, a lot of very, very, very data-driven techniques, uh, tactics, and procedures. Um, they took a lot of information from actual police shootings, data compiled over years, uh, maybe decades, um, from the FBI and from law enforcement, etc. And and the old get behind the transaxle, get behind the engine thing um, just doesn't play out well. Uh, we know that if the officer exits his vehicle, gets to the rear of the vehicle, assuming the bad guy's in front of the vehicle, it's a linear position stop, um, gets to the rear of the vehicle and then uses A pillar, B pillar, and C pillars if available, or even D pillars in an SUV, uses the pillars of the vehicle to maintain cover um, as appropriate, that those pillars are actually made out of significantly harder metal than most of the vehicle. They offer you, too. yeah. They offer you. They actually offer you a decent amount of cover, but they also offer you situational awareness. When you tuck down behind the tire of the car, trying to get the axle between you and the bad guy, you probably don't know where the bad guy is anymore. If you and tuck you've down, lost your mobility. yeah. And if you tuck down by the engine, the engine typically is a lot lower in the car, and those top pieces of metal don't stop bullets real well. So the bad guy shoots through the car, over the engine, and into you, versus you being up mobile uh, and, uh, and, and able to move around, and I'll, I'll stop preaching, you can go watch the videos yourself, um, or, or heaven forbid, take a class, um, you know, with, with Centrifuge and some of those guys, and a number of other folks have also started to adopt the, these training modalities, uh, because it, it, boy, it works, so, um, but anyway, you know, we saw a lot of our guys step into those kind of movements where when things got weird, they closed on the vehicle to some extent to utilize it as cover appropriately, um, understanding that the vehicle we used was a pickup truck, so basically meaning the back end of the truck is all but useless, um, you know, was to, to charge to a pillar, get there, get, you know, don't crowd cover, keep your visibility, keep your mobility, keep communicating, etc. Um, and the role players did a good job. You know, the one, you know, once one of the guys was confronted and realized he had a real threat on his hands, he got out of Dodge and no shots were fired. So, um, again, be careful doing this around your own personal vehicle. Um, airsoft pellets will ding and chip paint and they will break and chip windows. Um, we probably shouldn't have been that close to his truck doing that, but we did it anyway. Yeah. Thank you for letting us potentially break your truck. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, the, the next set of scenarios? Sure. Sure. The next set of scenarios were all involved. Um, basically, you know, the, the scenario was you're road dogging. You're driving from somewhere to somewhere. It's time to grab a bite to eat. So you stop in, you know, a, a local restaurant somewhere. Um, and, and from there, the scenarios varied wildly from, um, you know, two buttholes who are locals who, you know, kind of deem that as their place and they don't like your kind here, whatever that may be. Um, to you're, you know, sitting at a table and somebody comes in to rob the place to you're sitting at a table and there's a domestic that pops off in front of you where a guy starts beating on his girlfriend and the bartender decides to pull a gun to stop it. Um, a number of different things that, you know, gosh, we could all probably sit back and go, wow, yeah, I can totally see that happening. Um, not most of the places I eat, but you know, you never know. Right. Um, and so we worked our way through those scenarios as well. Um, you know, are those shoot scenarios? Are those simply leave scenarios? Um, the, the domestic conversation, um, when the bartender pulled out the gun to threaten the guy to leave the girl alone and end the thing, um, the, the person getting trained in that scenario, not the role player was actually in and out the door, um, before pretty much anybody else even realized that, wow, um, okay, I guess we're just stepping out, which is cool. You know, yeah, you know, not my monkey's not my problem. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, so anyway, so we did a number of permutations there as well. Like I said, these are nearly anything you could dream up. Um, you know, another scenario that's probably not all that hard to play out is to literally set yourself up. So you're sitting at home in your living room and, you know, three people kick in your front door. Um, what does that look like? Do you, you know, are you, are you, do you have your kids in the room with you? Do you go directly to guns? Do you, you know, do you, you know, do you give it a, a tick to see, you know, are these bad guys just simply, wanting to grab the TV off the wall and run or, you know, I mean, how, and, and, you know, set up those scenarios as well. I would opine that when someone kicks in your front door, it's time to start shooting. But either way, um, you know, scenarios and reactions and situations dictate what you need to do there. So anyway. Yeah. Um, getting back to the restaurant scenarios, one of the scenarios involved, we call a meth head tweaker coming in, um, and just started robbing the place. Yeah. Um, this was good opportunities to practice not only drawing the gun from, you know, kind of different positions. And surreptitiously. But, but also doing it surreptitiously and timing the draw to regain the initiative. Yeah. There, you know, guys, there's, you're, you're not likely to outdraw a gun that's already pointed at you. Um, even if you're a world-class competition shooter, um, you don't have on your competition rig and you're not standing on the line waiting for the beep. Um, you're in a restaurant sitting down, so your gun's likely concealed. So that, that super awesome sub one second draw from your competition rig um, is, is less likely to happen when you're wearing civilian concealed carry clothes and you're seated and not in optimal positions to make that happen. So a big part of this is the bad guy's focus is often going to have to be split between multiple concerns. Um, you know, very cautiously and very carefully stepping away from other people involved in this conflict in any conflict can give you the advantage of splitting the bad guy's attention. He's got to look at you, look at them, look at you, look at them. Well, while he's looking at them, that might be, if you deem appropriate, your opportunity to draw your gun and do whatever needs to be done. Uh, in this case, the bad guy came in, addressed Brian because he was the closest guy, and then turned and looked to the rest of the group. When he turned and looked to the rest of the group, his, his eyes were off Brian and Brian felt like that was the opportunity to draw his gun and burn him down, which he did to great effect, um, much to the bad guy's chagrin, because those little pellets sting that close. <laughs> it was close. Yeah, it was very close. Um, five feet, four feet. Yeah, they yeah. were. There was five or six shots from the the two position of the four count draw stroke. Yeah, 
Uh, which kind of brings up one other point. Uh, when people did find the need to go to guns, um, things happened in milliseconds. Yeah. And gunfights were over in, I would say, under three or four seconds. Easy, easy. Um, in the scenario that I was in the restaurant, uh, the bad one of the bad actors, this was the, you ain't from here, are you, boy, kind of conversation. And the guy approached me. And from about six to eight feet, somewhere in that distance, basically chose to brandish a weapon. Um, and at that point, I felt because I was cornered and he was showing me his gun that that, that meant that he wanted to be shot. Um, something else that we, we learned. Uh, this particular group of guys spends a fair amount of time actually shooting firearms, training with them, running drills, etc. Even things as simple as coming out of the holster and making one hit over and over and over again. Um, as it worked out, uh, the bad guy took four or five hits before the airsoft gun decided to run out of gas, um, took four or five hits, literally almost perfectly placed heart shot type shots. Yeah. Only because we'd said that we were going to avoid headshots at the distances we were talking about because nobody wanted to go into work the next day with a bleeding melon because we're all old, bald guys, most of us anyway. Uh, so anyway, bad guy took a number of hits uh, really, really quickly that, that would have almost guaranteed been effective within seconds. So, yeah. um, the, you know, the, the, all of those skills we talk about being automatic, the ability to draw the gun, aim the gun, depress the trigger, deal with malfunctions, uh, different things of that nature that, that should all be done at that subconscious level or unconscious competence level. Uh, I, everybody in that group reacted unconsciously to the gun when it, when the decision would have made it was time to go to the gun, there was no delay to get the gun into the conversation. So it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Training training works, huh? Imagine that. Mm -hmm. Reps, reps, lots of reps work. Cool. Yeah, to include the use of sights, um, yeah. in shooting the gun, uh, provided the the distance was appropriate. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So, you know, guys, you know, one of the reasons that our our decision to do airsoft and force on force was part of a a, a somewhat linear training progression for our group of guys. It was something that we had scheduled out significantly in advance of the craziness, the COVID craziness. Um, but the timing of it was nice because a lot of folks are concerned about burning live ammo because it is hard to get and the prices have gone up. Um, there's a reality check too. Airsoft guns aren't cheap either. Um, you know, but there are some, some, you know, if you've already got one or you've got buddies that have them, you don't need for every single person in a scenario to be gunned up. You really only need one or two people. Usually the person being trained alone is enough. Because the other, because the bad guy could have a rubber uh, rubber knife, or, or could have a blue gun as a yeah. simulated gun, or something along those lines. You don't necessarily need for everybody to be gunned up. So if you have a buddy or two that have airsoft weapons, um, you know, talk to them and see if you know doing some kind of training like that would be interesting to them. Um, and you know, and set up the scenarios, make sure you follow some of these safety guidelines and whatnot. You know, but it was a, a really really good training opportunity because so much of what we do is just simply focused on the mechanics of getting to the gun and getting rounds on target because it's expensive and difficult to do force on force training that's realistic what keeps it realistic though will be proper planning ahead of time it won't be showing up to the range going all right we got our airsoft guns let's go play cowboys and indians it'll it'll literally be if proper previous planning prevents best poor performance so schedule it out yeah uh, also in writing your scenarios have them not only be winnable from a survivable standpoint but have them be legally responsible. Um, we're trying to instill habits and in, I think one of our guys called it automatic conditioning. Mm -hmm. um, Operant conditioning. Or operate conditioning. Um, 
so that your response is not only going to keep you alive, but also keep you out of jail. Absolutely. Yeah, because you, you will be judged by a jury of your peers if you burn somebody down outside of your domicile. Um, you're, you're probably going to go in front of a jury at some point. So, you know, if you, if you train to do something stupid or you train to be a cowboy, you could find yourself in a really bad place. If you trained to be judicious and react to appropriate threats that a reasonable person would find a lethal threat, uh, you're going to be in a lot better place to weather the storm that comes after the fight. So for sure, make sure your training is, is, is viable in as many facets as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, well, I think we'll wrap this one up. That's it. That's it. Like yeah. I said, if you've got a buddy who's got an airsoft gun or you've got an airsoft gun, get a gaggle of fools together. And, and it, is, it is fun. We laughed. Um, we cried a little bit, too, because getting yeah. shot in the hands of the airsoft guns at close range stings like a son of a gun. Yes, I'm a wuss. I'm okay with that. Um, but, yeah, go, go, go train. This is another way to train. Um, if you can go seek force-on-force training from a pro first and then come back and redo some of those scenarios on your own, that would be good, too. That would be a really good thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, adding to that, if you have the, the again, having the proper facility to do it, um, where you have it secured, doing, you know, room clearing, um, yeah. structure work with role players or opposed um, forces and teams, really, you know, is going to test your tactics and test your, your techniques and procedures um, and validate a lot of things. Yes. Cool. Good uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, if... Yeah, on that note, we're wrapping up. <laughs> um, you can follow us on social media. We are at Cap City Outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, visit us on the web, capcityoutfitters.com. Uh, sign up for an email newsletter. Um, you can either do that on the website or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily add you to that. Uh, and then stop in and see us at the store. Uh, we're at Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Um, we're right in front of Aldi's, right next to Louis Fusion Grill. Um, due to the, some of the COVID craziness and giving us extra time to keep the store clean and stocked and whatnot, we are running hours 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Um, we are also limiting it to four people in the store at a time so we can maintain proper social distance. Um, generally not a problem with having too many people or long lines or anything. Also, no appointments are needed. Uh, so stop in and see us. Thanks so much, guys.